You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? This is Tony Catalina from bloggingtheboys.com. Welcome to another episode, another edition of the First and Ten podcast. Um, you know, I'm it's week three, Hayden. Is a week three of me <laughs> holding it down here for Dave Sturcio not being here. Um, again, if you haven't guessed by that opening, that bad opening compared to Dave and his voice there, it is Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis once again. Aiden, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah, we've been having to hold it down these last two weeks. We yeah. don't have have we Week done three. if you if you guys are listening and you guys want to give us a re- review, feel free to let us know because I'm Sturge really Sturge brings that booming voice that neither of us really have. And but I, th- I think we've been doing a good job. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that the booming voice like I I just talk and I don't know anybody who thinks that like there are people that put on voices for this stuff and I just don't have it in me. I don't know if I could hold like a a TV voice like this is who I am. I've tried really hard to get rid of this Boston, Massachusetts accent. I don't know if I hear if you guys hear it or whatever the case may be. I try really hard to pronounce my R's and just be better about it. But, you know, it's funny, Aiden. Uh, We were recording this on Easter Sunday. I didn't even dawn on me until like Thursday or Friday. I'm like, well, we're going to do our Sunday show. It's going to be me and Aiden. What are we going to discuss this week? Didn't even dawn on me. It's Easter. So happy Easter, Aiden. How how has yeah. your Easter been? It was actually a very, very good Easter. We I hung out with, I mean, just some close family friends. We I mean, I didn't go back home because I live a little bit further from home. So it was good. It was it was very fun. It was a little bit relaxing, had some good food, but overall, pretty good Easter. How was yours? Honestly, similar situation. Um uh, I am home, but it was funny. Uh we went to my fiance's side of the family. Um, it's our last holiday that we're going to have together that we're not married. Um, so we're getting married in May before Memorial Day weekend. So this will be the last holiday that she'll be a, not a Catalina. So we're kind of, yeah. you know, we're into the milestones a little bit. We're in like, okay, well, enjoy this last one as an Adams because now you're going to be a Catalina. And um, so it was cool. You know, uh, for me, I love the food. I love holidays because they're so centric or around food. Everything you do is around the table. And for me, I absolutely love food. So is there any, is there an Easter food you absolutely have to have? Is there something that you love to eat? So our Easter tradition when I was growing up is my family, we'd always schedule like a brunch and like, we're not really brunch people, but that was like the one time a year we'd go out to get brunch. But this year we, I, we had a home cooked meal with, um, I was spending Easter with my girlfriend and her family and they made the best potato casserole I think I've ever had in my life. Mm. It was 
delicious. I'm gonna be dreaming about it for days now. You got? Do you have an Easter food? I didn't really know Easter food was really a thing. Yeah, so it's maybe. I mean, maybe it's unique to my family. Maybe it's not. But we have. I don't even really know how to describe it or what we call it. But my grandma always called it Easter pizza, and it's like, it's like a layered cake, and it's like ham, cheese. It's like an Italian style. Peach or something but it's so good it's cheesy it's got some spicy ham in it and i mean i look forward to it and it's honestly my mom is a great cook and if she listens to the podcast which i know she does listen to our podcast she's gonna hate when i say that my grandmother blows her easter pizza out of the water <laughs> so for me i'm always looking forward to that but you yeah. can turn you can turn any good food into a pizza form and it makes it it's it makes it better like 100 pizza Breakfast pizza, breakfast food is elite, but then you have breakfast pizza. Are you like any um, food turned into pizza form is automatically better. I know. I know a girl who went to culinary school and she made a, a, a breakfast pizza. Like you said, she cracked eggs on it, put bacon and just cooked it like a pizza. And it was like, I was like, where is this brand? I feel like I'm under a rock. <laughs> this is life changing stuff for me. But, you know, today you're kind of staying on the Easter chicken. I promise you, we got Cowboys talk for you. But um, we we did eggs from my godson you know put put eggs around yeah. and i and i was the easter bunny this year and um it's funny he's he's three years old and it's uh he's not interested in the candy because he he caught wind that there was money in there so now he thinks the easter bunny is giving him money we're talking like dollars and you know we threw one five dollar bill in there but it's like just to see him throw the the twix and the candy and be like <laughs> where's the dollar bills at there's got to be more dollar bills so i thought you know i mean like man maybe maybe we shouldn't have gave him the money but whatever <laughs> <laughs> how how difficult did you go? Did you try and make it really hard on him or did you give him a little bit of softballs? So I, I gave him some softballs, easy ones, but I guess I went harder than I was supposed to because I forgot <laughs> how short like a three-year-old is. And I'm putting them up like where you have to be like, you know, he'd have to go and dunk it. Like he'd have to go up and <laughs> grab it. And I'm like, okay, maybe this wasn't as easy as I thought it was. Like my eye line isn't the same as his, even though I'm short and it's probably not that far off. But I was like, hey, you know, <laughs> I thought I thought it was easy, but I guess it was a little harder than than I probably shouldn't have made it. But hey, you live and you learn. And I said to my fiance, I said, next year, I'm ready to roll up in the Easter Bunny outfit. Give me the suit. I'll put it on. Let all the kids come over. Like I'm a holiday guy. Like if you want me to look like Jerry Farrah and, and entourage with the, <laughs> with the bunny suit on <laughs> for a much better purpose than that was intended, but give me a bunny suit. I'll be that. But either way, let's pivot on to Dallas Cowboys football and stay away from, uh, we're done with the Easter talk there. So, you know, another week of, Interesting Cowboys week. We're not going to touch on the topic that everybody else is speaking on. We'll let them tell it. Um, I think that is a conversation that is not something neither me or you need to have a talk about. But what I'm speaking, we to just don't have any information about yeah. it. We're not going to provide anything that right. you don't know already. Well said. I mean, I'll, we'd be, you know, just hitting it home. We didn't have to touch on it too much. But um, what I'm speaking about for this week is another quiet week on Cowboys front. As far as acquisitions, as far as team building, like there is really, I mean, nothing going on there. So, you know, as how can we, you how can you follow up a Ryan Null signing from right. last week? Anything else after that is just going to seem secondary. But exactly. Yeah, no, Ryan, nothing. Null, <laughs> Ryan Null, big ticket pickup last week to nothing. And, you know, <laughs> nothing but disappointment this week. But, uh, you know, so that lends itself to some draft conversation. And we wanted to talk on, you know, we discussed, well, what were we going to speak on? I thought it was a, uh, 
a great idea, Aiden. It was, I'll give credit where it's due. Um, we had an idea and you said, well, let's do this. So let's talk about that idea, Aiden. You wanted to discuss what is the strategy or what would be our perfect scenario in the first three rounds? The Cowboys picking in the first three rounds. Is there a combination of players that you have in mind or is there a combination of positions that you want to see them address in those first three rounds? So I'll throw to you your great question. Let's see your great answer first thought and first foremost. Yeah, it's rounds two and three gets tough. I, I know what I want to happen in the first round rounds two and three gets tough just because and you, you see this whenever anybody's doing mock drafts where it's really hard to predict how the second round is going to play out. And it's really hard to predict what players are actually going to be there just because rounds two and three gets a little bit difficult. But so I'm going to stick with positions over players and I'll give you the players for the first round. But in terms of how I want like my ideal scenario, I'd say. Round one, either Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green falls to the Cowboys. I've, if you've heard me talk on this podcast, you'll know that I'm not a draft guy. You can listen to Connor Live say, and Tony, you do some really good draft analysis yourself. I'm not a draft guy, and I don't proclaim, proclaim to be one. With that being said, I do know enough to know that I want Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green to fall to the Cowboys at 24. And at that point, I think it's kind of an auto pick. So I'm going to stick with that in the first round. In the second round, and I don't know, not a lot of mocks I've seen have this. I'd like the Cowboys to double up on linemen, whether that be if they have a center they're in love with fall to them or the more likely scenario, a tackle fall to them. I'd love to see that happen just because I've talked about this before. And you, if you listen to us, yeah, I, you'll know I'm probably I'm beating a dead horse at this point, but. Cowboys need to address tackle now because the era of Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith, that's ending soon. Obviously, we've already lost Lyle. So I just don't know how long they can go without addressing the tackle position. So after going tackle in the second round, I then think they should pivot to a defensive player in the third round. And I, that's where I'd like to see them take either the most athletic linebacker that's on the board or just the best run-stopping defensive tackle they can find. And so two areas that I think were lacking on the team last year um, in terms of those positions specifically, I think that'd be ideal. So oh, overview, Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson around one. Round two, I'd like to see them go tackle in the round three, an athletic linebacker or a run-stopping D-tackle. Now let me ask you before I, I hit my three selection here is, is there something that would happen in the first round or a player that falls in the first round that would make you change your, you know, the way you were just thinking there, is there a player that like, hold on, everything I just said can be thrown out the window because blank is here right now. Oh. I'm going to say, Oh, that's tough because right now I'm debating whether I want to say like the dream scenario of Garrett Wilson falling to the Cowboys. Like, I don't I just don't see it happening like there's so many teams that need receivers this is a really really solid receiver class and so I don't see a guy like Garrett Wilson falling and even if he does I'm not 100% sold like if you're giving me the option between Kenyon Green or Garrett Wilson I'd probably lean Wilson but even that's tough so I mean maybe that N'Kobe Dean has been falling lately I still think I'd rather prefer Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green over Nicobe Dean just because of the fact that I think guard's a bigger need than linebacker at the, at the moment. 
But I mean, if you gave me this crazy, crazy one in a million situation where Garrett Wilson, Nicobe Dean, Zion Johnson, and Kenyon Green are both on the board at 24. I, I don't know. I, th- I think I'd still go with one of the guards. So I, that, I'm going to have to answer no on that. And that was my follow-up question. I was like, the, the name that was in my head was N'Kobe Dean. I'm like, if he's fallen, and I don't know how, you know, based on everything, because it's that time of year where it's smoke screens and people, you don't know what's like real information and what is kind of just like smoke. But you, seeing the N'Kobe Dean fall thing for me is kind of, peculiar because i always thought he was gonna be like a top 10 top 15 pick slam dunk after that national championship game i was thinking in my head i was like yeah there's no way nicobe dean falls to 24 and here we are where he's falling down drafts in terms of he's falling down mock drafts and is it is a quay walker his teammate that that people are are saying that he may go before him and as far as i'm concerned i i i just don't see it happening so you know that that's why I want to follow up with the Nicobe Dean thing and say like, you know, it, is I guess this may be a say how the top end of this draft is. There's nobody other than maybe the Garrett Wilson, like you said, where you're like, you know, it scratched the plan. This is C.D. Lamb falling to us at 17. Like this is this is a game changer of the script. So um, it's interesting, and it, it, it kind of tells you, um, you know, we're we're not a draft show, like you said. Connor Livesay is good with that, but. It kind of tells you how you feel about the draft. The quarterbacks aren't that deep. There's question marks all over the board in the first round. Uh, go ahead. I see you. Ch- you got something to say there. Yeah, I'm. You're the Georgia guy between the two of us. If mm-hmm. Quay Walker falls to us in the second round, do you think? I don't. And I, I don't know your priorities, but do you think it's an auto pick if Quay Walker falls to us in the second round? It'd be really hard not to take. You know, I think linebacker is a need. Right. I think we're fixed on the fact that we don't have a guard right now to play left guard that anybody envisions. I don't think anybody thinks, you know, Connor McGovern's that guy right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, linebacker, though, is right there as far as I'm concerned. I think there needs to be more depth to the wide receiver position. I wouldn't think wide receiver would be is such a big of a need if Michael Gallup was healthy. If yeah. we see if a healthy Michael Gallup is in it with a CD lamb, we could, you know, we can push wide receiver off a little down the road. You could still get a guy um, that can help you. But for me, I think wide receiver is a situation which kind of I can roll into answering your question here. Um, as far as the top three first round picks, what I want to think, you know, we're taking just as a, a refresher course for people to listen. They have a, the 24th pick in the first round, the 56th overall pick in the second round and the 88th pick in the third round. So that's three top 100 picks in this draft. Um, and in in order to be a good team with longevity, you have to hit in your top 100 picks. And you also, you know, it, it helps to hit later on down the road to build your team. But you got to be able to build the core and the nucleus of your team with those top 100 picks. The way I look at it, I think we're kind of in the same in the same breath. I'm OK with the universal switching of the guard wide receiver. If if there's a run on wide receivers, um and, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting there with a top guard like a Kenyon Green or, you know, like a Zion Johnson you want, take him in the first round, you know. But if, if the board falls in a way that maybe wide receiver isn't going to be as, you know, plentiful going into the second round, I'm okay with pulling the trigger on a wide receiver in the first round and trying to go and get that guard in the second round. As far as I'm concerned, I think um, the first and the second round has to be a combination of wide receiver guard. In my opinion, I do see the value in a tackle and you are the very first person that kind of put this train of thought in my mind that 
tackle is a priority. It may not be a 2022 priority, but 2023. And, and to me, that's, you're absolutely right in that. Like you don't want to wait until it's a need. You want to take care of that while it's something that could be helpful, but not dire. Um, and then I sit in the third round and, and I, you know, get to that point and you got to see how the board drops. But I do think linebacker, like I said, is something that needs to be addressed. And now if they come out of the top three picks with it being linebacker, wide receiver, guard or linebacker, guard, wide receiver in that order, I'm OK with it. I think those are the three positions we got to hit. If it ends up being a tackle, a defensive end in there somewhere, I'm not upset with that. But I think looking at this. Those are the three positions this team will get better if they just take those. So what's your initial thoughts on that? How do you feel? I mean, we had a little difference there, but I think the premise is pretty much the same. I have. Yeah, I think if the draft plays out that way, I mean, I've been out of the blogging, the boys community. I've been very anti draft wide draft, a wide receiver this entire time. I just I don't really see that as being a first or second round need, but I do understand it. So a few questions going off that the first one being I think the top five in terms of the receivers that people expect to be drafted in the first round or if not the first round very very early in the second round that's we're talking about Chris Olave, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks and um, Jameson Williams do you have like out of those five names where is like which receivers falling to the Cowboys would you want them to pull the trigger on? And is it all five or is it? Like- I, feel, I feel like there's at least three or four names there that you mentioned that I would really enjoy seeing a star on the helmet, but I've not to be chalk and kind of be group thinking this, but I've actually really enjoyed watching Chris Olave's game in his tape. I think his route running ability, his, his ability to take it over the top. I think he's something that the Cowboys could really benefit from having. So I'm okay with taking Chris Olave at 24. I know that's this, you know, there's some uh, people that have different opinion. There's some people in that same camp, but I, I think I, we we touched on it on earlier. If, if Michael Gallup was healthy, I probably would have a different feeling about that, but eventually you're going to have to address that third receiver position because I think this team is better when Dak, you know, we saw it. I mean, listen, they didn't get to where they wanted to be, they, but they still won 12 games and they were the number one offense in the league. They did that with three wide receivers that could, you know, do a multitude of different things and some tight ends that can help. I think right now there isn't that many weapons. Dak doesn't have as many weapons as he did before the, you know, before the offseason started. So I do think wide receiver needs to be attached. And Chris Olave to me is one I have my own only because Garrett Wilson doesn't seem to be a realistic pick. If he's there, you run, you take him, you don't think about it. You're happy about it. You feel like a CD lamb situation all over again, but I think it's a pipe dream. And I think you alluded to that too. So, <laughs> and you're a Traylon Burks guy as well, right? Yes. Yes. I do believe that Traylon Burks can play. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think those might be my three guys, you know, I, that may be a little difference of opinion, but if you're telling me Cowboy specific Cowboys fit, I want Traylon Burks, I want Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I mean, Garrett Wilson, like I said, he's probably going to go to the jets, right? I mean, he'll probably be in a top 10 pick and we won't have to worry about that, but those are my guys. Yeah. I think Drake London also, and that is in that group where I don't see him making it to the Cowboys. And I, the one guy, the one receiver that I couldn't talk myself into, and I'd just be absolutely devastated if they took him, it would be Jamison Williams. So I think we're kind of in the same boat there where 
Jameson mm-hmm. Williams tore his ACL in the national championship game, the college football playoff game. He, anyway, he tore his yeah. ACL at the very end of the season. So we're Against talking Georgia. about a receiver. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about a receiver who's kind of on the similar timeline as Gallup. So I don't really think that Jameson Williams should be a realistic possibility of the Cowboys at 24. Now, the one other question I had for you, do you have some? Off no, there? no, good. All right. Now, the other question I had for you, you mentioned at the very end, defensive end. I have seen a couple mock drafts where the Cowboys take a defensive end in the first round, specifically the Carl Aftis kid out of Purdue. Do you, how would you feel if they went defensive end in the first round? I, I like the prospect. I don't like the idea. You know what I mean? I think there's other situations that are more of a pressing need. Um, I guess there is a conversation to be had about defensive end, especially since Randy Gregory isn't here. And we're looking at Dorrance Armstrong and Chauncey Golston with Demarcus Lawrence. And I mean, I guess Micah Parsons, you can always say he's the other guy on the other side, but he's not going to be a full-time player at either spot. And I think that lends to the the fact that why linebacker is and is a a, a low key need because you want to be able to give Micah Parsons that freedom. But if this, if you know, linebacker is going to be a liability without him, it just puts you in a bind. Um, I like the Kalaftis kid from Purdue, but I I would, I would be, there's so many other things that they could address that could help them immediately right now that seem to be more pressing. Um, So I wouldn't love it. But again, I could see a kid go out here, be a baller, and just be like, oh, this kid is who I thought he was. He's going to help the team at a premier position. But again, I'm, I'm thinking guard, wide receiver, and I don't want to be too obtuse and you know small-minded in that, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. How about yourself? How do you feel about the possibility of that? Yeah, every time I see a mock draft that has us taking a defensive end, I kind of cringe a little bit. I see, I see defensive end as less of a need than than receiver in my opinion and if you guys want to read about it, i just ranked every position for the cowboys in terms of need on the website but i just in my opinion i'm actually okay with dante fowler and dorance armstrong being that second piece rotation opposite of demarcus lawrence obviously if demarcus lawrence get injured gets injured the cowboys are in a little bit of a bind but you could say that about pretty much any position on the cowboys roster so that would be my thing is I just I trust Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler enough to where I don't see them as necessarily Randy Gregory. But I mean, if you look at especially Dorrance Armstrong's stats last year, it was they were not drastically different than Randy Gregory's. And so, I mean, if you're telling me they're taking a first round pick to draft a guy that in my opinion, they're actually kind of a position they're actually kind of okay with when you have other needs on the offensive line and uh, linebacker, defensive tackle. That's where I, I just, I don't really understand it. So I'm glad we're in the same boat there. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you a question off of that when you were talking and made me think of this. Um, we look at Randy Gregory as like a double digit, digit sack guy. He's a possibility to do that year in and year out. So by him not being here, we lose that potential, lose that fact. Um, do you do you feel good about having guys like a Dante Fowler, Torrance Armstrong, and a Chauncey Golston, who in a nutshell could probably get you similar um, production as Randy Gregory as a unit? But do you put value in that one guy that can go get it? Because I could tell you in the Super Bowl, let's say they ever get to a high pressure situation or a high you know high pivotal situation in a game in a season, like 
if you don't have a Demarcus Lawrence or a Randy Gregory to go out there and be like, all right, this is our guy. He's going to go get the pass rusher. You're, you're not going to be like, well, I know Dante Fowler can do this. And then <laughs> if you add his with Doris Armstrong, you know, so th- do you put the value in having that one horse that can just go out there and get it done? Or do you think over the course of a season, it really doesn't matter? I'm going to say hmm, that's tough because, okay, so here's the way that I see it. I'm going to say, yes, having that one, absolute stud matters i just don't think randy gregory was that like amazing pat like amazing defensive end that we think him to be now don't get me wrong the one thing that worries me about letting go of gregory keeping demarcus lawrence and then you have dorrance and dante filling in for randy gregory is the fact that you don't have the one thing Randy Gregory was a lead at was pass rushing, specifically getting to the quarterback and just forcing fumbles. Like he, he was, there were certain games where he was just fl- flat out disrupting the quarterback just because every time the quarterback dropped back, Randy was in the backfield and like, there is value in that. I just think that in terms of pass, like uh, the other pass rushing stats, like, um, like sat, like I think Randy Gregory and, uh, Dorrance Armstrong actually finished with the same amount of sacks last year, despite, um, and that I think they played like equal snap numbers because of Randy missing time. And so the one, like, it does worry me that Randy, um, was consistently like better in the pass rush because he did force more pressures. He did force more turnovers. I do think Dorrance is okay at that. Not, not as good as Randy Gregory, but the one thing that's kind of being overlooked Randy Gregory wasn't that great at stopping the run. Like in terms of all the Cowboys defenders, he was at the bottom of every defender, not just defensive ends. He was at the bottom of the list in terms of stopping the run. Right. And that's one thing that Dorrance Armstrong actually did excellent last year. The only thing that concerns me is Demarcus Lawrence is also really good at stopping the run and he's relatively weaker in the pass rush. So that'd be the one thing that concerns me is it. Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory seem to be a perfect fit where Gregory's great at pass rush. Lawrence was great at stopping the run, but we'll see how it works out. I, I would say, yes, I do want that workhorse guy. How, how, how do you feel though? I think, yeah, I would agree. I think having one guy that can do, I'm, I'm, I'd rather have the master rather than the Jack of all trades. If that makes sense. I'm pretty bad at my analogies, but I'd rather the guy who's, you know, done this, he's consistent Mm -hmm. You know what? And it may not have been Randy Gregory. Maybe we get him in the draft, right? Maybe there's that one stud guy. It could be Michael Parsons too, right? I mean, it could be the fact that our go-to pass rusher in those moments is going to be Michael Parsons. And that's totally fine. But it also lets you know that they're going to have to hit on the draft picks. You're going to have to build your depth because there's going to be guys rotational on all positions here that are going to have to come in and, and, and be a factor. And that kind of lends us to our next topic where we kind of discussed the 24th pick we talked about the 56th and we talked about 88th pick and we're going to go based off of what jerry jones said when he was speaking with the media um when they announced that they were in the blockchain game so (laughs) um, (laughs) when he discussed the possibility of trading up now how do you feel about the thought do you think the cowboys would be wise to trade up and say okay like there's somebody that we want let's go and get them or do you think that they would be wise and standing pat because they have so many needs? And then in the same thought, trading down is collecting picks, you know, 
backloading, making sure that you have all these picks to take up. And then now you have looking at, I mean, they already have nine draft picks. So if they're ending up with double ditch digit picks, they're looking to change over the roster a little bit. So where do you stand? Do you stand on a stand pat, move up, move down? What do you think the best course of action is for them in the beginning or middle or even the end of this draft here? I think that trading down, in my opinion, is what I'd love the Cowboys to do. And this is because of the fact that when I think about trading up, I just don't know if there's one player that is worth giving up future capital for, or maybe like a third. I mean, I don't, I don't know how drastic this comment is in terms of what Jerry's thinking about, but if you're talking about giving up a second or a third round pick to move up a couple spots and then taking like Zion Johnson, when Kenyon green would, would have been available at 24 anyway, I don't really under I don't really get that. And I don't really think there's one guy that the Cowboys absolutely 100% need to trade up for. Uh, staying, staying pat, in my opinion, staying at 24 is the second best scenario for me. Trading back, there's one specific scenario that I'd want the Cowboys to trade back for. And that's if, if Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson are both gone, I, and there's an elite receiver on the board. Like we're talking about like a, Chris Olave, a Traylon Burks, and the Lions call the phone saying, we really, really, really want this receiver and we're willing to give you draft capital for it. The one thing I'll say, the Lions, I think, are picking at 30 or around 30. They have, once again, a very early pick in the second round. If they're in love with the receiver and they're going to and they're willing to give up capital to move up to the Cowboys spot to give that receiver and they're willing to give that early second round pick. That's one thing I'd be entertaining. Now I'm just, I'm overall in for the trade down strategy just because this, this class at multiple positions is very deep and I'd be okay if the Cowboys move down a little bit and pick up some extra capital, but it, you always have to put it into context where it has to be the right price. No, I totally agree with that sentiment. It has to be the right price. For me, if I had to power rank it, it may be a little different. And that's why we have a podcast here so I can explain this train of thought. But for me, it would be power rank for me would be standing pat, number one, right? Stand pat, take your pick. You have nine picks. You should be able to make it work. In this instance, number two for me would be moving up. And the only reason why I say moving up is if in any way for this situation to work and be advantageous for this team is for something good to happen in the draft for the Cowboys. Somebody they value a position that they value is falling. And there's a chance that they can go up and get a guy. They honestly didn't think they had a chance at. So for me, that's a pick. It'd be the number two in the power rankings and it'd be draft board specific on based on how it's working Thursday, Friday night. Right. And then number three would be, trading down. And I don't say, and honestly, to me, I, I love the idea of how this draft is going to work because I do trust Will McClay and I do trust this staff to be able to put together a good draft board. So when I say that's the third and the lowest ranked, I'm still okay with the idea of trading down. And I do think that most people have that consensus of, um, you know, take the picks. I think it's, it's deeper more than it's star studded this draft. I think yeah. everybody understands, you know what I mean? So that's a perfect way to describe this draft where it seems like every position it's, there's not like outside of the one thing I'd say is like defensive end has like three studs at that will likely go within the top 10 picks outside of that. I really don't think there's one position that's like, there's one guy at the top. And then after that, it just falls off. I, 
I think the way you described it is absolutely perfect. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's, it's, you look at it and you study it. We've had months to study it now. It's, it's, that's how it feels. So trading back being number three for me isn't indicative of like, that's not what I want them to do. It's just like, it seems so obvious based on this situation that like, if they did it, like, I think it's the right move in that instance. If they were to, you know, trade back, let's say if they were to go to like 29 or 30, they still may have a, there still be maybe two guys on the board that they're okay with getting one of them being a guard, another one, maybe a wide receiver, whatever the case may be. We'll see how that goes that night, but that would allow them the ability to stack up, you know, possibly more one top 100 picks. And I don't know if you caught a, a sense over me over the last three weeks, I really love the idea of collecting top 100 picks. I think that's where the bread and butter of your team is built. But yeah, so as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of the way I rank it. But um, is is there something in your mind that would change the situation? I know you're about to speak there. Go ahead, Eden. Yeah, like we just talked about pick 24, where my rankings are trade back, stand pat, trade up. The one thing I'll say, and this, if we're talking about the entire draft, my number one priority, if you were going to like list what could go right for the Cowboys in the draft, my number one priority would be trading three of their fifth round picks and jumping up to a, a third, maybe, maybe, maybe a late second. I don't think a team would take a late second for three fifth round picks, but if they could package the massive amount of fifth round picks they have, which we've talked about before are pretty worthless unless you're taking like a punter or a kicker move up into the third round and just be willing to burn those picks, like hand them out like free candy. If you can get a third round pick because third round picks useful fifth round picks, not very useful at all. You know, I actually, I actually, I love that idea. And I I would even do one more to say, this is I would package the fifth rounds to get early fourth. I think I'd be that, fine with that too. You know what I mean? So if, yeah. I, if you could package these fifth rounds that you say, just you're the numbers guy, analytically, statistically wise, the fifth round picks are harder to hit on than, than, you know, the other draft, as you move up, you get better, you get a better quality of players, you know, in theory. Um, so you're looking at getting a chance, uh, another crack within a, a higher level player, so to speak, if that's how your board is stacked in that situation. So I, I would love and be all in for that because they do have conditional picks. They haven't, you know, they lost guys that are going to allow them to get more picks next year. So moving picks around, I could see them being very active. I think Jerry Jones understands the climate of his team, whether they're holding the United front and how they're acting, you know, whatever the case may be, there's been a lot this off season. And, you know, a lot of it is on the field too. I mean, there's been a lot of moves that they've been head scratching and, if they can go out there and try to hit a home run draft, and I think Jerry Jones is not going to sit on his hands this draft and make something happen, I think that would be a great idea. And the, the last thing I say about those fifth round picks that the Cowboys are just sitting on like a pile of gold is if we don't leave the fifth round, having drafted a kicker when you have four chances to do so, I'm, I'm at, that would actually make me upset because, in my opinion, Cameron Dicker out of my – my college UT and Gabe Burkich out of Oklahoma are both good kicker prospects that will probably be there on the board in the fifth. That will almost a hundred percent be there on the board in the fifth round. Cowboys don't have a kicker. Please use one of your fifth round picks on a position that could actually work out instead of trying to take a dart throw on some wide receiver that almost assuredly will not pan out. I 
you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about that when you're saying that you're absolutely right. Right. If they take a wide receiver, that's going to come in and be sixth or seventh on the, on the draft, on the, you know, on the wide receiver depth chart there, you take a, a kicker who has a chance to come in and win the job immediately. Didn't you just draft a starter who directly affects at least one point every, every time you get in the, in, you know, a score a touchdown and three points every time you get within the, um, the other side of the field, once you get in the plus side of the field, he directly impacts the game. So I think that's an outstanding way of thinking. And I don't know if many people think about, I know people know the value of kickers and I think people understand, you know, draft picks and stuff of that nature, but don't you always see when somebody like a kicker or a punter gets drafted and there's almost like a joke or like a snarkiness about it, but the value of the kicker, you just, I mean, I'm glad anybody who's going to listen to this is going to understand exactly what you're saying. Like last year, I mean, take Evan McPherson for the Bengals carried them through the playoffs based off his game-winning kicks. Compare him to a receiver around that point. Wasn't Simi Fahoko taken in like the fifth round? I mean, somewhere, yeah, somewhere, yes. yeah. you're right. So, so in the same draft, if you could offer me Simi Fahoko or Evan McPherson, it's a no-brainer. Just t- take a kicker that you believe in with one of those picks, please. K1 over wide receiver six all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. funny. You know, the draft is um it's going to be well documented. We have some great guys on our team that discuss it and we'll continue to discuss it and we'll move forward. Um, maybe we'll touch on some mock drafts as we get closer. Maybe, you know, there'll be some free agency that we'd be able to discuss here. But you know, we do this podcast because the blog and the boys faithful is, is the best. I think if you look around all the SB nations, all the other teams that have coverages and podcasts, um, nobody does it quite like the Cowboys fans do. So we wanted to reach out to the fan base, see if anybody had any questions or pertinent topics they wanted to discuss. So here's a brand new segment on the first and 10 podcast network. First and 10, excuse me, podcast on the blog and the boys network, where we're going to take some questions from Twitter, Instagram, social media. So we're going to start off with this first one here. This is from K Taylor 026. And he asks us what made the Cowboys pass on Vaughn Miller and Bobby Wagner. One of those linebackers would have solidified our starting linebacker crew. I think we've had some conversations about Von Miller and Bobby Wagner just a little bit here. Aiden. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your thoughts on that question from K Taylor 026? So I think that when you're looking at free agency, the best thing that I like to do is I don't really like to pay attention to the necessarily the names. I like to pay attention to like what the positions the Cowboys are signing. So like when they signed James Washington, it told me, okay, the Cowboys actually believe that C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup aren't enough. They find a, they need, they have a hole at receiver. When they signed Dante Fowler, I, my first thought was, okay, they see defensive end as a hole that needed filling. The fact that they haven't signed a linebacker, I think is indicative in their belief in Jabril Cox specifically and the way that Leighton Van Der Esch played in the back half of 2021. I'm not going to sit here and say this is the best linebacking core in the league. Obviously, we talked earlier how it would be great for the Cowboys to draft a linebacker. But I do think that they're somewhat comfortable with those two players starting the season. And then you've taken, I think the biggest thing, if we're just like on paper, the it's the fact that Bobby Wagner signed a five-year deal, even though he's getting up there in age and Vaughn Miller's price tag was way out of the Cowboys range. I think that's like, the most obvious reason, but I do think a very secondary reason is the fact that it seems like they're comfortable in linebacker. We'll have a better idea after the draft, but 
I don't know. They seem they seems like they have a little bit of faith in LVE and Jabril Cox. I think you know everybody leans to the thought that money is the reason for all these decisions. And I think it's definitely a factor, right? When you're looking at a, an aging Bobby Wagner, which I was all in favor of signing. Like I can't even switch the tune now that they did it. I'm, um, I wanted Bobby Wagner. I would, I'm still kind of bitter that we didn't get Bobby Wagner, but I can understand the financials of why they didn't do it. But I think what people aren't realizing is exactly what you said. I think that they would be more prone or more okay with spending the money if they weren't in love with what they had already there. And now, you know, you're looking at Leighton Van Der came back on a one-year deal. So his future is completely unwritten here as a Dallas Cowboy, but they know what Jabril Cox's progressions looking like through his knee. They know what he looked like through camp and how he progressed as a football player. So I think they are excited about his development. I think they're confident they can get an impact linebacker at this position. Um, in the draft. So I think the linebacker is going to be somebody they take to pair with Jabril Cox, to pair with Micah Parsons moving forward. So I can understand them not taking a Bobby Wagner, especially looking at the numbers there. The Von Miller one hurts a little bit to me because he's not, he's not, I don't even really classify him as a linebacker. He would be a D end. He'd put his hand on the dirt here and he'd be a, a hell of a pairing against across the line with Demarcus Lawrence. I think that would really cause problems. Hurts even more to see the videos of how bad he actually wanted to be here in Dallas. That was that to me. It felt like, you know, oh, my God, it felt like I can't even describe what like to see him be like, oh, man, this guy really wanted to be here. Like, how bad did we lowball this guy or how bad do we not show any interest? You know, go ahead. And and the thing that also disappoints me is the fact that exactly like you said, the fact that he is essentially a defensive end, but he can play linebacker. I mean, this most this past season, Micah Parsons' most common comparison was he's the next Von Miller. And so if you can get both of those, if you can have both of those guys on one roster, I mean, I, I it's just, this is kind of turning into just us being sad. But like, imagine the things that Dan Quinn could have done with, two linebackers that can come off the edge. They can just play straight up linebacker. They can play in coverage. Dan Quinn would have had an absolute field day with those two. And it's just sad to think about now. But that being said, I guess they're comfortable with their linebackers. Yeah. But it's crazy to sit here and think of, a fit that just makes too much sense. The Cowboys needed a pass rusher. They just lost out on Randy Gregory. The guy is from Texas. He wants to be here. I'm not saying Von Miller isn't about his money, right? Because he went and got some money, but the man went to Buffalo. He could have stayed home, right? And, you know, he could have stayed home, been warm, been a hometown hero, wanted to be here. So the only thing that leads to me is that the Cowboys either A, didn't, you know, for whatever reason, being blunt about it, didn't like the player and where he's currently constituted in his playing career, or they didn't like the money because the, the fit made absolutely way too much sense. But, you know, that is water under the bridge at this point. But I appreciate the question. We appreciate the question, K Taylor 026. So congratulations for being the first one that we touch on on the First and 10 podcast. And we're going to have many more like Chala Ombre here. And I thought he had an interesting question. 
I thought this was interesting. He said, I love this question. Right. I think, I, I think we can go multiple ways with this question too, beyond just what he was asking. He said, do you think Dallas is more likely to increase or decrease the usage of Tony Pollard in hopes to increase or decrease his value next off season? He said in parentheses, one thought being starting to resign for cheap versus increasing value in hopes of getting a comp pick. This is an interesting question, Aiden. How do you feel about it? I, if I had to put money on it, I think, Ooh, this is tough. I think his, I think his snap, I think his rushing attempts actually decreases next season, but I think it's going to be very similar to what you saw in 2022, because I've two logic for two reasonings for this. I do think in my personal opinion, this is the last year we'll see of Zeke in Dallas. I'm barring some crazy, maybe Zeke has a resurgence in 2022. I do think after this year, they're kind of planning on parting ways with them. And so I think they're, they realize they know that they're planning ahead. And so they're going to run Zeke into the ground, either thinking, let's see what he can do if he still has it, or this is the last year we have of him. Let's use him while we have him. The one thing you could say that, that also applies to Tony Pollard too. And so that's where it gets a little tricky. That's why I say it's probably pretty similar, but um, I don't know. It's tough because I don't, based off of what we've seen, Tony Pollard is the clear running back too. And they're going to treat him like a running back too. They're not going to treat him as a running back 1A and so, or 1B. And so I lean decrease but slightly just because i think they want to see what they have in ezekiel this year i have a different unique way to look at this and i'm going to start off speaking about ezekiel elliott but i'm going to get to the answer of the question starting there i think ezekiel Elliott, and this pains me to say because like i said i've named my dog after zeke i'm a big fan i was a big fan of the pick when it happened i think the the, the story has been written for Ezekiel. Elliott. I think what you said is, is absolutely true. I think this may be the last year they use them. And then I think after this, there's a, an escape hatch that they could take. And I think they'll exercise that. But what I think what will happen here is this far less tread on Tony Pollard. I could see them now. I know everybody says you can't pay a running back, especially after paying a running back and it being a bad deal. I could honestly see the Cowboys releasing Ezekiel Elliott trying their best to try to find some way to keep Tony Pollard under contract. He's got far less tread. You know, he's been explosive, but he hasn't, he's almost untapped at this point. Like, I mean, he's played and he's done productive things. He stayed relatively injury free outside of the issue he had with his foot this year. But if they, I could see them finding a way to take a running back in this year's draft or the guy we're not talking about because he looked flashy in the in the in the preseason last year, Rico Dowdle, and having yeah. Tony, Powell, Tony Pollard, Rico Dowdle, and then having you know or a drafted guy where Tony Pollard becomes the guy you know on a three or four year deal, you know he'll it'll be a payday for him being you know a middle of the pack, middle of draft pick. So his money hasn't really been big to this point in time. So I could see them. I don't see them making on-field decisions based on finances, but I think the way they look at the position as a whole, I think they know Ezekiel Elliott's time in Dallas is coming to an end. I think they may see a future with Tony Pollard. I think um, I think if they were just being real with themselves, that could be the future here, because if not, 
and they get rid of Zeke and Tony Paula's contract expires. They're going to look at a completely refreshed start on that room. And then what are you going to do? Completely depend on next year's draft, or you're going to try to throw money at somebody in free agency. And we already know how they feel about other teams, free agents. So if you're going to try to be in the market for a free agent running back next year, they probably just keep the guy they know in Tony Pollard. So I don't know how you feel about that theory and conspiracy or whatever, but how do you feel about that? No, I, I think that's actually, I, I'll take your answer because I think your answer was better than mine. What the, what two questions I have for you. And these are both pertaining to this kind of spin off of this question. Number one, let's this year, if the Cowboys know that they're going to release Zeke next year and they're not going to re-sign Pollard, what would be the highest you'd be comfortable? The Cowboys taking a running back this year, like 2022 draft, this upcoming draft. And then number two, what would what's the most amount of money you'd be willing to pay for Pollard in terms of yearly money? Wow, that's a great question. Um, and if you want me to go first, I can do that. If no, you that's totally need fine. To think of, okay. Yeah, let me see. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna look up NFL running back money right now, kind of just see the ballpark. But um, for me, I think the earliest that I would be comfortable is I think I would use a top 100 pick, but I would want it to be like a th- a third rounder, or maybe I find a way to get into the late third round if there's a guy you didn't expect to be there. And um, so kind of looking at these contracts here, Christian McCaffrey's making 16 million a year. Alvin Kamara's making 15 million. Zeke's making 15 million. Uh, Pollard at 10 or 11, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, like I think, I think you can still operate with a starting running back making a, a max of 11, maybe 12, if you really want them. But, but if that's too rich any more than that, yeah, I think I th- I do think kind of much how you feel about the tackle position, right? You said they're going to take a tackle bef- before it becomes a, a need. I think they can look at running back in this year at the same way you said that. Go ahead and take a pick before it becomes a need. Yeah, I'm I fall into the boat that I don't value like I just kind of think running backs are a little bit of a dime a dozen when it comes to where they break out and so I do th- Here's another strategy I wouldn't completely hate. Burn two fifth-round picks on a running back. Try and test them both out during training camp. Maybe keep both on the roster. You, I know you might have to cut Ryan Nall in that situation. That would be devastating for all Cowboys fans. But draft two running backs with a fifth-round pick. I, I do think fifth-round would be my line where I don't want him going before that to take a running back. But take a couple fifth-round picks, see what you got on a running back. In terms of paying Pollard, again, I I kind of think running backs are a little bit of a dime a dozen. I don't know if I'd pay him more than $6 million a year, mm. and I know that's low-balling him. I, it is low. I, I would almost 100% assume he wouldn't take it. But if he signed for seven or eight, I wouldn't be completely devastated. I don't. I don't think I would not. I don't think I'd touch two digits. Well, the problem, right, guys, yeah. well, the problem is – well, not the problem. The, the fact of the NFL is money's about the balloon. So like yeah. 10, 10, 11, 12 million is a feasible contract in a year or two. You know what I mean? That's true. I, so that's kind of where my idea was thinking in that. But if we're going to throw darts at the board on the fifth round, I'd like to see what Rick, Rico Dowdle can do. If he comes back yeah. healthy, I was impressed with his preseason. I thought he, I mean, we were talking like when he was in the preseason, I'm like, this kid's a slam dunk. He's going to make the team for sure. Like he's going to have some type of role. I could see him. I know he had an injury there and it cost him a season, but I would love to see him get a chance there. But uh, uh, Aiden, 
you know, any final thoughts here? Any anything else that you have to get off your chest? Otherwise, it'll kill you until next week. No, but well, yeah, let's let's leave in a little tidbit to see if Sturch makes it this far listening to us. Sturch, if you're listening right now, text me and Tony. Just say love the episode, boys, boys with a Z. So right. I, I, I want to like know that. if he listens. Yeah. Little Easter eggs on Easter, <laughs> yeah. right? You leave a little <laughs> something there, a little trail, a crumb trail. So that is all today for the first and 10 podcast. I am Tony Catalina. He is Aiden Davis. We may have Sturgio back next week, but hey, that is to be determined. I think he is going to be back and he, we have a lot to discuss. So I appreciate your time. And that is from the first and 10 podcast, Blogger Boys, SB Nation. Have a great Easter. It's Monday when you listen to this. I hope you had a good one and a great week. Peace out.